Welcome to the People Experience Pulse podcast, your gateway to the new frontier of human experiences at work. On the PX Pulse, we're all about elevating experiences, fostering belonging, and building remarkable workplace cultures in a fast evolving world. How can leaders authentically navigate the evolving landscape of employee experience while effectively building trust and stakeholder alignment to foster a positive and inclusive workplace culture. On today's episode, Vicki Flyer Hudson and Jeff Bond sit down with experience, development, and culture professional Luella Dowling to discuss cultivating authentic workplace relationships. In the first part of this two part series, Luella, Vicki, and Jeff delve into Luella's extensive career in learning and development as she shares pivotal moments that have shaped her perspective on employee experience. From situational leadership to parenting, Luella sheds light on the evolving nature of guiding individuals and teams, challenges and strategies for aligning personal values with work commitments, and the importance of a two-way exchange of ideas in achieving stakeholder buy-in. Throughout both parts of this conversation, you'll hear an emphasis on the significance of trust, patience, and understanding in fostering authentic relationships within organizations. From initiatives aimed at building engagement to the role of psychological safety, you won't want to miss this two-part episode as Luella lays a roadmap for creating a workplace where employees feel heard and valued. Stay tuned to hear more right after this break. Are you looking to make your workplace more human? Check out my friends at Coolleaf. What I love about Coolleaf is that it helps leaders create connection, engagement, and recognition. You can celebrate team wins, reward colleagues, and have fun with your coworkers. You can build a culture of appreciation and feedback that boosts morale, retention, and performance. Listen to this clip from their podcast, The Great Retention, to hear how Coolleaf transformed a company culture. We needed a way for people to connect. And there was people who would work together and talk to each other on the phone every day. Uh, who didn't even know them that well. And they had no way to appreciate them. What we liked about Coolleaf was that there is that social element to it. Coolleaf gave us an opportunity to allow our people to appreciate others they worked with on a daily basis, but just never saw in person. Not only did it give managers a tool to recognize their people, but from a culture perspective, it allowed people to connect. And it was really cool as a chief marketing officer to see some of the interactions that were happening on the feed, because that's something that we wouldn't have had if we didn't have a tool like that. Coolleaf also simplifies measuring and improving the employee experience with pulse surveys, rewards, and integrations with your everyday tools. To learn more about Coolleaf and how it can make your work more human, visit coolleaf.com slash try Coolleaf. That's C-O-O-L-E-A-F.com slash try Coolleaf to book your free demo today and see how top workplaces use Coolleaf to put their people first and thrive. All right. Welcome, Luella. So glad you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Vicki, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. How are you? I am fantastic. And we are going to dive into an amazing conversation today with the person no better to address this conversation around cultivating authentic workplace relationships oh. that drive meaningful change. Top of mind these days, isn't it, Luella? Yes. 
Um, I think it's top of mind, even outside of work as well. <laughs> For sure. Well, welcome, Luella. We are so thrilled to have you here today. And Luella and I have known each other for many years. We have worked together actually in the past. And so it's so good to see your face and hear your voice uh, on our podcast. It's an honor. And we would love to have you start things out by sharing a significant experience or achievement from your career that has shaped your perspective on employee experience and workplace relationships. You have so much to share in this area. You know, I think what really stands out for me is um, a large part of my learning and development career. And, you know, I've kind of traversed through HR in many centers of expertise, but in L&D, I had the opportunity to become certified to teach situational leadership. And leaders are always the focus of development and they have a lot in their lap as far as, you know, engaging their employees and their team and being dynamic and motivating and inspiring and guiding and all of it, right? All the things. Uh, but teaching or facilitating situational leadership was really pivotal in the sense that I got up close and personal with a lot of the leaders around the world because I had the opportunity in a previous life to travel to like, you know, domestically and internationally to, to um, enable our leaders to be able to coach or consult or guide um, their employees based off of the skill level they had aligned with the goals that were assigned to their employees. So, you know, even though you had someone who had like, I don't know, 10 years of experience in sales, if they actually acquired a team and never led before, that's a new skill, right? So yes, you're a great salesman, but are you a great leader to your 10 people that you were, you know, that you've been gifted basically, because I think a team is a gift. Um, and so it's just understanding that even though you've been in an industry, you've been in a field for you know years and years and years, um, there are still many things to learn. And I think that's a, that's the humility in situational leadership. Um, it's very parallel to servant leadership, right? You never really say to yourself, "I know it all and I can do it all." And so, having to kind of implement that mindset and then helping leaders to kind of establish an understanding where they can wrap their arms around that really kind of opened up my eyes to how we come into um, any type of responsibility that we have thinking we know, you know what I mean? Thinking that we know it all. And a lot of my examples would align with parenting. And it's just phenomenal for me how um, insightful the conversations are, right? Once we all start talking about what's pretty common in regards to parenting, and that includes pets, <laughs> It includes pets, right? <laughs> so for me, uh, facilitating that leadership development, that was, you know, very significant in, in my career um, as far as uh, an experience. Yeah, I'll definitely hang my hat on that. I love that. You said a team is a gift. And I think it's, you know, I've certainly been there earlier in my career where it seems so individualistic and you're on this kind of ascent you think you're on an ascent towards leadership where you have more positional power and influence in that way. But as you move forward and realize that you're not scalable as an individual, then 
you know, you realize that you have so much to learn uh, yes. and, and really entering into that humility that you talk about in situational leadership and, and given this opportunity. So I, I agree. I think it's parenting. I also think a lot of it is like reparenting <laughs> over time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and undoing some of the, the the selfishness that we learn by being fed, uh, you know, and cared for our entire lives and realizing that it's time for us to feed others and and to serve others in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when I, parenting for me is, um, I, I'll never be good at it. Never. Um, uh, but <laughs> I, and, and that's because what you're, what you're guiding, you know, is evolving, you know, a human is evolving all the time. And I think as employees, you're evolving as well. You know, if, if you're a really good leader, you, you have this drive, you know, you're compelled to see growth in your people. And that's part of parenting. You want to see your child grow, right? Because you know that they're not going to be six forever. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's things that you know are coming and there's also things you don't, you can't see that are happening with your, your child. And I think employees are the same, right? You, you see things that are coming in regards to initiatives and projects, but there's things happening with your employees that you don't have any visibility to. And so there's a level of empathy. You know, there's a level of self-awareness that you kind of have to kind of fold into um, leadership. And then us, as we talk about building relationships, right, that's really important, too, in the sense of how do you consistently practice being aware of not just yourself, but also of others, and then folding that in to the way that you engage people. Um, yeah, so it's a lot. So it's a big backpack. It kind of reminds me of when what you're saying sort of reminds me of when we say to people to show up at work as their authentic selves, but authenticity is also evolving. What's authentic to you when you're a child, you know, authenticity is not a static thing. It it keeps expanding and growing. And, and so companies and leaders have to expand and grow with that. And recognize that someone might be showing up authentically in a different way one year than another. And maybe they just discovered something about themselves. Maybe they discovered a part of their identity they didn't realize before. And so leaders are kind of needing to be tuned into how authenticity evolves. Yeah, and there's a kind of the old adage of uh, personal values not mixing with business values, and or it's never you know business is different than personal. But it, you know we've talked about aligning personal values, work commitments, and how important that is today to to lead the people experience and distributed workforces. So why for you, Luella, is this important, and how can organizations and individuals successfully achieve this alignment? Yeah, I mean the world has changed. You know, I don't, I never say it's changing, it's changed um, and, and it will continue to do so. Um, and to Vicky's point, as we invite people to be authentic, business also must must be able to, to traverse that. And it's difficult because business is often seen as transactional, right? And so there's like a lack, there's a, there's a lack or a gap in the organic value of business, um, especially if you're, you know, a concrete uh long-standing, you know, lots of tenure sort of corporate organization. Um, it's talking about authenticity seems like a nice to have, but a, a nice to have with your employees, but it's like a requirement now with your customers, right? Um, and so you kind of, you can't separate the two. 
if you want your employees to subscribe to the values that uphold your business, then you also have to see them as a customer. Even though there's, you know, there's there's no money passing in between you in regards to um, a solution or a product with your employee, there's still an exchange happening. And the variable that we don't have any control over is the fact that to Vicky's point, our employees are evolving and their perception or interpretation or understanding of being their authentic selves are, is going to be different from, from us being, you know, from us as employer space being an authentic self. And so there's a level of acceptance and inclusion that needs to be practiced. And then this is not necessarily being discussed, I think, in bigger circles, but how do we navigate that from both sides of the table? Because also as employees, you have to kind of have an understanding or at least start to establish an understanding that being, if being your authentic self means, I don't know, wearing fluffy hats, <laughs> you know, day in and day out, um, that's great, but it may not translate into the workspace. And so how do we talk comfortably about the uncomfortableness of, you know, having to accept or suspend what we perceive as authentic or what's acceptable as authentic or what we're willing to um, what we're willing to accommodate as authentic. There's just there's a lot of gray area, you know, when we think about authenticity. And that's because we're human beings, right? We're not machines. Um, you know, we don't we don't pop out of vending machines. Right. We are, are our own selves and we have so much um, contextuality that is our life that makes us who we are, that contributes this massive value to sell this awesome product or solution in a company. But then also there's these other facets that contribute to that, too. And so how do we how do we start to talk about that? How do we accept that? How do we be OK with that being different from what we thought? should be okay. You know what I mean? So there's just like a lot of gray area. Um, it's, uh, you know, I don't, it's, there's no, there's no real answer. I don't have an answer. Jeff. <laughs> that is so true. And what was really leaping out at me and Luella, this is kind of taking me back to some of our previous work together was that when you add different cultures in there, that really gets complicated because what is personal and what is business really varies across cultures. Some cultures like to really fuse the two. I know that when I work in India, you know, it's everything is fused. You eat together, you, you know, talk about personal things. But in other cultures that may be like, no, I really want to keep those things separate. And so it is what I heard you say that really struck me was employers and leaders have to just be tuned in. That it's, it's looking at the context, looking at and just being aware and, and, and agile and flexible yeah. because there's no manual instruction manual, like you said. No. I thought that was such a great point. Yeah. Just like parenting. There's no, I mean, I always go back to this because it's such a great example. It's just, a, and we'll, we, we won't stop having kids, right? I mean, it, this is who we are. <laughs> humans. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to, you have to be agile and 
companies talk about agility a lot. They talk about pivoting and, you know, navigating the market. And yeah, that's one thing, but you also have to pivot and be agile and navigate your employees, your talent. Um, again, we are not popping out of vending machines. And I think what may help kind of diffuse a lot of the anxiety is, is that understanding. And that comes through communication, right? And in, in knowing that some of us are going to make mistakes. But making a mistake is also, you know, it, it identifies an effort. You can't make a mistake if you didn't give any effort, right? And so there's a level of understanding that needs to happen on both sides of the table. I keep saying that because a large part of what I see in articles is leaders got to do this and business has to do this. and But then, you know, employees also have to understand. They also have to, you know, try to figure out if what the business is doing is aligning with at least some of their values and like, okay, yeah, I could work with that. And then what are the, what are the opportunities for us to discuss what's not aligning? Are there opportunities for me to discuss with the company, anything that's not aligning with me as an employee? Now, if there aren't any opportunities to do that, then that's a flag for that person. Right. And so being able to kind of see where in the graduation of, of the inclusion, um, you know, where, where there is some some opportunity or some space or uh, and some type of accommodation can help alleviate some of the anxiety or some of the like, you know, dismissal of, oh, I'm not going to join that company because because you, you start to develop a level of um, understanding. You know, you start to develop a level of compromise and Sometimes it seems like an ugly word when we talk about inclusion, right? But essentially, you know, companies are, they're huge. These massive corporate entities, they're monolithic sometimes in the way that they think and the way that they operate. And, you know, it, it's important not just for our leaders and our, 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 our executive team to understand that our employees are wrapping their heads around how they can show up best amidst all of the competing priorities, you know, that are happening in the back of their, their mind or in their own space. Um, but also, you know, companies need to, to realize that too. Like, well, how can I show up better? What can we do um, that's feasible for us at this point in the game? And then how do we acknowledge that there are some things that we could do that we're not doing? And be transparent about that. A lot of fear about being transparent, you know, with, with when we think about executive leadership team, at least in my experience, I'll put it that way. Um, I've, I've witnessed and observed, you know, a lot of anxiety around transparency. That's um, so true. Yeah, we've we've observed the same. Uh, and it's interesting because you mentioned alignment and how important that is. And, and just getting stakeholders to be aligned has such a big impact on an organization. And so in your experience, what challenges have you seen when it comes to stakeholder priorities and what strategies have you found effective in getting stakeholders to align toward a shared goal in the organization? I think alignment with stakeholders lies within the circle of stakeholders first. I think it's very, um, I've experienced multiple occasions where different stakeholders had different objectives um, and were not talking to each other. Um, very rarely is a project or an initiative when I think about like inclusion or engagement, at least in my experience, very rarely have all the stakeholders sat down and said, you know, this is what 
I'd like to see. And another stakeholder, well, this is what I'd like to see. And another stakeholder, well, this is what I'd like to see. And then do the math to figure out, you know, where where the nucleus is in, in, in that in that Venn diagram, if you, you know, think about perspectives or angles. And that would alleviate a lot of the hurdles. Um, it would alleviate a lot of the ambiguity sometimes that comes with these these any initiatives that support employee engagement or inclusion. Um, it would it would alleviate anxiety because everybody would be on the same page. And the other gap that I've seen is that if there is an initiative that may already be in play, if you inherited it when you came into an organization, um, that anxiety feeds into an, an inability or hesitation. I don't know if they're unable, but there's like a hesitation to circle back with all those who were involved or participated, employees or leaders. Um, and then even within the stakeholder circle themselves to say what what went well, what didn't go well. Usually an initiative is like launched like a rocket to the moon. And they're like, did we reach the moon? Okay, great. Check. Done. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's talk about the journey to the moon. Let's talk about what happened when we landed. Right. Let's talk about if there was any life. Was there water? Was it sustainable? How did the how did the folks feel on the rocket? Were they okay? Did anybody die? Um, is, is there anybody who quit <laughs> after the rocket, you know, after the moon, moon landing? So it's kind of like not having, I don't know, not, not, um, gravitating towards a very objective sort of perspective on the whole soup to nuts of the initiative to enable them to build a better initiative or to be able to identify some other opportunities that can create, you know, initiatives and be more inclusive of any gaps that were missed or, you know, that, that, that were experienced in that initial initiative. So for me, those are like the two things. Stakeholders don't sit together. They don't, they don't necessarily take the time to get on the same page, even though the initiative may be urgent or maybe a reactionary, you know, response to something happening. And then there's no sort of, you know, analysis of, you know, what happened in the journey, what happened after the journey. Um, and then I would say probably a third one. We don't communicate that back to those who were the, the audience or the receivers of that initiative. Um, those are probably the three things that I've seen that are that are sad <laughs> for me. I love this analogy more than anything in the world because it's so appropriate. Because when we went to the moon, we did sort of see it as a checkbox. We won the space race, check. And there were so many missed opportunities after that. You know, we just sort of abandoned the whole thing and we never really made progress after that. Uh, in space exploration, and and you you see that the same with, for example, initiatives around diversity and inclusion. That a lot of times it is a checkbox, and folks don't think about well, how did this work? Why did it work? Why did it not work? How did people actually feel about it? Yeah. It's more just checking the checking box. box. It's transact. Yeah. So that's a transactional perspective that I was speaking to. And I would, I would love to see it be more uh, cyclical, right? I would love it to, I would love to see it be more of a two-way exchange because I think that would support not just the urgency and the value, but also would, it would help us temper our expectations as well, right? So yes, it's urgent to put an initiative out, but it also tempers our expectations in what to expect and essentially like what comes next. And that's the siren. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us for another insightful episode of the People Experience Pulse. We hope the words shared in this episode have inspired you as much as they've inspired us. Now the real challenge begins, putting what you've learned into practice. The change you create, no matter how small, could be the spark that ignites an exceptional people experience in your organization and beyond. If you found value in today's conversation, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us deliver high value content and reach more listeners like you. You can find other inspiring episodes and additional resources at our website, thepxpulse.com. Join our community at thepxpulse.com. Thank you again for joining us on the People Experience Pulse. Until next time, remember, the heartbeat of any organization is its people. Let's make every pulse count. This concludes part one of this two-part episode with experience, development, and culture professional, Luella Dowling. Be sure to follow the People Experience Pulse on your favorite podcast platform and stay tuned for part two of this conversation.